everyone. It's Saturday, December 23rd. Welcome to Pop Goes the Girls, where we, two sisters born a decade apart, take a foray through our respective journeys through pop culture. I'm Daisy Kosh. And I am Chelsea Davidson, the true Christmas elf, come to bring you joy. <laughs> this episode is not sponsored by Compliments Peppermint Candy Canes, despite the fact that we will be eating them this entire episode. And this snack is actually an homage Do to... Do I only get one? You get two. That's why you have one, two oh, okay. there waiting okay. for you. And I brought two extra in case you wanted to you start gave... eating mine. Do you, do you realize you gave me one Mine's broken, broken, too. Mine is broken, too. Don't even get me started. Okay, I'm going to try and find one that's not broken. Here we go. This... No, they're all broken. They're all broken. I told you this. Mine are broken, too. That's careless. Careless. Do you want this one? The end is broken, so you could eat it quicker. You could eat that and then go yeah, to the Yeah, I want, I want the long go. stick. You okay. have the long stick. Yes, I want the long stick. Every woman <laughs> Merry wants Christmas. the long stick. Um, so this <sighs> snack is actually an homage to our tree decorating days that when we were kids, so we would decorate our Christmas tree. Uh, I think people our know mom, what a candy cane is. Our mom and us. Well, not everyone puts candy canes on their tree, Chelsea. They don't? No. Some people put popcorn. And They're some candy people... canes. They have a hook to be put on the tree. That's kind of the point. You Are really you serious? Some people, some people treat them like they're a stir stick in hot chocolate. Like, it, I it's mean, different. it has very, it has a, a lot of anyway, purposes. Anyway, so, so I'm teaching Chelsea stuff now. You could put um, it in a mojito. Anyway, so what would Should happen is. You could put it in a mojito. Yes. Which I thought was fascinating. I've, I've never actually done it, but I should try this year. Anyway. Yeah. Um, you know. Good for you, bringing alcohol into it so early. Um, <laughs> Merry so, Christmas. So, um, we Ooh. would do the tree decorating, and one of the things we do is, with the candy canes, as Chelsea's mentioned, we would put them on the end of the branches that didn't have ornaments, so that we had, like, a little extra decoration. But, before we'd actually get to Christmas, Chelsea would eat them all. Yes. And when I say Chelsea would eat them all, is I'd have a bite of one, and then she'd eat the other 12 in a pack. Yes. That we had on the tree. So then, yeah. before Christmas, we'd have to buy a whole new pack and redecorate again. And put them back on for us to have about three for Christmas. Um, so and, yeah, we're doing an homage to that for our Christmas. <laughs> for our Christmas episode, we are talking about gluttony. Oh wait, no, we're not. <laughs> we're just talking about meat no. again. Now is the perfect time to tell you that we spoil things during our podcast. Mm. So leave now or forever prepare for pop culture spoilers. Yes, it is the wonderful time of the year. Christmas, Christmas, last Christmas. Okay, I gave you. I my need you to focus. But the very Each week, day. we talk about pop culture artifacts that shaped us and why they're memorable to us. And we also have a fan theory fight club where we argue the merits or detriments of some of the fan theories surrounding interpreting different pop culture items. And lastly, we'll do a very quick round of Twist the Sister. Like, it doesn't matter that it's Christmas. We're still going to do We're this. We're still going to argue. We're still going like, to argue. all families should on Christmas. Yeah, it is a Christmas tradition, guys. Yes, you fight. <laughs> so one of us loves something that the other one is kind of like... Eh, about and can you uh, tell that Chelsea's twisting me this week? <laughs> One of us loves something; the other is eh about. Yeah, don't worry, I'll sway you. You and, really won't. And we will open this one up for a poll, and I guarantee you, people will be on my side about this. No, I, they I, won't. Only you. This is the only person who doesn't like this movie. I, I. Okay, we're not getting an outrage right away. We will come back to this. We'll circle back. We will circle back to the outrage yes. later. Like Santa's sleigh coming back around. So to the, to give I think some it's important to recognize that our artifact for our Christmas episode. It's really your artifact, to be no, honest. No, our artifact is um, Mom's favorite Christmas movie. So if you know... Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Since when? This is Mom's favorite Christmas movie. That's madness. She said... She, like, she's, tell, she's, she's never told, told me since this. we were kids that it's her favorite Christmas what? movie. I wasn't there. And it's close to her heart because, She like, told you when since she you were a kid. Oh, oh balls, Chelsea. <laughs> um, so we will be discussing the classic It's a Wonderful Life. 
Larry, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and next year and the year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers a hundred stories high. I'm going to build bridges a mile long. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life <laughs> is... It's basically a retelling of A Christmas Carol. It, it, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. It's, an, it's a no. completely different revision. No. Of it. It's a revision no. of it. You can't turn around and say the same thing because my favorite Christmas movie is A Christmas Carol, so bitch back up. So it's a revisionist view of it. But that, that, it, it literally good. says at the beginning of the movie, it's like an RKO radio classic coming from Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol based on, like, it's clearly there. Don't you give me that, Claire. Go on, say what you, ha say what you so, have to say, and then I'll say what I have to say. The story follows George Bailey. It follows his life as... George Bailey of Bedford Falls. As angels <laughs> watch him from above, and they follow his life story, because one of the angels who's a soon to be a newly promoted angel hopefully so he can get his wings he needs to solve a problem because george bailey he's gone through all of his life and all of this stuff has happened to him but now he's in a crisis and he has to guide him through it this it's angel a suicide does. and in well, true i'm christmas getting there spirit, he's going to commit christ. suicide literally jesus christ um so considering how dark um the christmas season can be because don't they say suicide rates go up and shit I don't know this, if that's a true this, statistic or not. This movie kind of follows it, but it also gives you hope that um, life is worth living, and that is kind of what you happens I, on the I journey. I have a problem with this Bailey. movie from the get-go, though. Why? I have to put so good. So they start off the movie when they're talking like, "Oh, we have some problems down down on Earth with George Bailey. Who are we going to send? Oh, we're going to send that slump, Clarence. I mean, he's he's a no, clockmaker. No, he's new and he's clumsy." No, they they say that he's like got like no IQ. They're really yeah, he's fucking like just, harsh he's pure. on this. He's pure. But let's send him to go save someone. Yeah, because they want to give him an opportunity, and they think his purity will help. God, you're being such a cynic. Yeah. It's Christmas, you bitch. He's been there for two hundred years and doesn't have his wings yet. Okay. So let's send this little little guy to to handle. So are, this are you trying to say that they really wanted George Bailey as the angel? So I they really think Clarence they wanted George Bailey to die. Like these so two, so they, they could have a better angel. I don't know what their plan was, but it wasn't. Anyway, it wasn't a good so, one. Um, as much as I like Clarence. Jeez. Oh, anyway. So uh, I found that there are parts in uh, "It's a Wonderful Life" that are kind of like unexpectedly funny, considering it's. Mm -hmm. It's tonally. When he's a kid, I think he's really funny. Yeah, the kid actor yeah, who hot plays dog him. and all that. Well, one of the funniest things, and and like I've gone over it many times, is like how really rude and abrasive he is to the girls around him. Where he's like, "You don't like coconut? What are you brainless?" Yeah, like shit like that. It's like <laughs> you're kind of an asshole. And I always think it's I think it's so cute because he has an accident where he can't hear in his one ear because he tried to save his little brother. Little brother lived, but he got really sick himself and he lost hearing in his one ear. And, and his brother, and the ungrateful prick his, he is, his, ruins his life his, as a result. His uh, future wife, when she's a little girl, she says she like whispers in his ear. Spoiler alert: future wife. Um, she kind of whispers Mary. in his ear, Mary. Yeah. She goes, George Bailey, I love you till the day I die. And like uh, she says this to him. So and he sweet. can't hear any of it. It's his bad ear. But he's such a dick to Mary. I'm just going to point out, 
there are three separate occasions that he he's a dick. He teases her. He, she's naked in the bushes, and he won't give her the robe back. But you see his face. He's clearly That's playing harassment. with it. No, she, she's wearing a robe, and he's wearing, like, old football stuff. He won't and compliment he, her for shit. Like, okay, can like I get she, to the, uh, the first issue He goes first. over, and she's like, your mom said that you're coming over. And he's just like... I don't know who I she don't know knew. what... To, I, I never told she... anyone. I just went for a walk like that. And that's all well and good. Play it cool. But, then, she, but then, he's, then he's like, what's this you're wearing? And she's just like, it's a dress. Do you like it? And like, she's so very much in love with him. And he's like, he Do you like it? He goes, and he goes, eh, it's okay. Yeah. And stuff like that. I'm like, what a fucking prick. He acts all like grumpy and stuff before they're together. He shakes her. Like he grabs her and shakes her on more than yeah, one occasion. Yeah, and then he hugs her and he kisses her because he loves her and he can't stand His it. His solution to everything is just fucking violently abusive. Anyway. Or subtly the, abusive the with the thing. fucking stealing of her robe. He didn't steal her robe. They're walking and he catches the bottom of it because it's all like, it's huge on her. He catches the bottom of it with his foot and she goes, she's oh, naked in the bushes. and she hides in the bush because she's naked and she goes, oh, I'm over here. Bring it to me. And he picks up and he's gonna hand it to her and he goes hey this is an interesting situation and it's it's kind of funny because you know he's gonna give it to her anyway the actor pretending like he's not going to jimmy stewart is the best person to have as this person oh my god if anybody else completely different anybody else did the role we would would have a problem because he would be a a, a real you can't have ed asner he's a fucking felon you can't can't have ed asner as george bailey no (laughs) it wouldn't have worked no it would not have worked (laughs) for a lot of reasons um but it was, it's so good, and it's just, it's sweet. Why did you go to Ed Asner? Like, because, like, we were talking about him a few weeks ago, and the way that he's, like, all crotchety and stuff. Jimmy Stewart plays a crotchety guy when he's young and before they're together, but he plays it off like he's playing it like he's crotchety. But, like, he's but not he is actually like a good that person. way. He's a he's generous person. He's genuinely good. He's a good person. He saved person, his brother. He tried to... Um, not very good with his wife, he, though. He tried to help the pharmacist because he was going to poison someone by accident. He, sa- he helps the pharmacist because yeah. he knows he's grieving. He helps the town. He helps his father. He sacrifices yeah. his future because he wants to travel the world mm-hmm. so his brother can have a decent life while the father needs help. Yeah, like, he does like, a lot of good things, but he... Anyway. You just don't like the... You don't like his family situation. You're like, oh. He's not very good to marry. He's really not very good to marry. Whatever. He takes the money that they're supposed to go and use for their honeymoon, which she, like. And saves the bank so that they have a job to get back to. Yes. But, like, think of it from the perspective of this woman who's scrimped and saved. He did too. To go on a holiday together. She was open to it. Like, she gives him the money. Although, one of the funniest moments in that scene, though, is when they're giving away all of that money. Like, he has two thousand dollars there. Fun fact: one of the women. Two thousand dollars. That's not a small fact, sum of money back fun then. Fun fact for you. Well, it's not gonna be fun for you, but it's fun <sighs> for me. One of the women that he's giving some money to in that scene is the grandmother in the Waltons. Okay, that's very nice. So, well, you remember the Waltons. You're Aaron, remember? <laughs> so the the money that he's giving out. There's a guy. Like as he's giving it out, he's like, "How much do you need?" And and the guy's like, two hundred and thirty-seven dollars or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like he wants and all the, of his money. And he's like, "Dude, like seriously, how much do you really need?" He's like, <laughs> "I need two hundred thirty-seven dollars." So he takes ten percent of like what what they have there, more than ten yeah. percent. He yeah. hands over to this guy, and everyone else is like, ten dollars, five dollars, yeah. fifteen dollars. I only need twenty. I only need ten. This yeah. guy needs two hundred and something dollars. Yeah, because like, he wants to clear it up and he wants to go over to Mr. Potter, who's an asshole. Yeah. Who? Oh my God, he's such what, a good what? villain in it because of the fact that all he has to do is tell the truth in one situation. With the uncle. And, yeah, and the whole movie wouldn't have occurred. 
Like, yeah. like he, would, he, he wouldn't have tried to kill himself. He's because going to kill himself because he's told he's worth more dead than alive, and he thinks it would solve all of the family's problems if yeah. he kills himself. Yeah. Because this Mr. Potter has the goddamn money. No, that his stupid put in uncle, the bank. his non-trustworthy okay, uncle. Not his stupid uncle, his forgetful uncle. <laughs> who spent more time in this scene trying to like, you know, stick it to the man, Mr. Potter. Periodically like, puts the puts the money into a newspaper, rolled up newspaper, and, and hands it over. Yeah. To the villain in and the then, movie who goes, hey, hey, I got some money. Yeah. And then he comes and but he speaks to him. Like, George goes and speaks to him. And George says, Bailey. can I have the money? And he yeah. says, oh, well, I'm... I'm going to call the cops on you. A warrant out for your arrest. Yeah. He calls the cops to get have him arrested. Yeah. Fucking madness. Yeah. Anyway. You seem very into this movie considering you're like, it's not really my fave. It's not my fave. But you are into it. But I do, get, I do get you are invested. This movie. You are this invested. movie is like painted as like such a sweet and romantic and just true goodness of the spirit and all of that. And I watch it and I see so many flaws where I'm just like, this fuckery needs to stop. Like, I see so many problems with him as a character. Like I said, Jimmy Stewart, if he wasn't if it wasn't Jimmy himself, Stewart and it was someone else. So many problems. Like, he shakes the shit out of her. I don't know why you Not, have a problem with that. I think their love story is so sweet. He shakes her! He shakes... Have you, you ever been shaken? Yes, I've been shook. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, it's just... It's not... Uh, you shake martinis. You don't shake individuals. And just shakes her until he's like, You're gonna marry me, Mary! That's, like, that's, that is, that's not what he does at all. She gets married to him right she, after. Right after, like, next That's scene. because he turns around and it's just like, Don't you get it? I'm not good for you. And he's, like, shaking her, like, trying to prove he's not good for her. And she ding loves him anyway. Ding dong, ding dong. Wedding bells. And then like, he says then he says that he's gonna... And then he does it like, again. And then he turns around... In the alternate universe. Because, oh, like, he has a moment of, like... Okay, I'm gonna take you to a different world where you, if you when wish he, you'd never been born. Yeah, so he sees what the light, what everyone's lives would be and like yes, had he not been born. And Mary's like a spinster because she Mary's, never loved anyone Mary's else. Mary's not a spinster. She is a spinster. She's a they librarian a with a career. Well, what they a call dick. her a spinster. She's a librarian. It. Okay, so I take offense. Oh, like I'm that's sorry. the worst You're situation. You're like, I related to Mary in the alternate universe. Why would he shake me? And then he shakes the shit out of her again. Because he wants her to realize it's and she's him. she's like, get off of me, you asshole. Well, like, she doesn't do that at all. She <laughs> screams and faints. But okay. Um, I'm modernizing some The fragility of women in this is very different than what you're portraying. <laughs> um, he, You know what another thing is that he mm. does that's really nice? The girl who's kind of like... The, the hottest slash kind of the blonde that loves every single pers guy person in town who really wants George even though she wants him he's able to put that aside she puts that away and he helps her out because she wants to do something with her life she in it what did she do I don't she needs this. money for something I can't remember what it is um, the but he helps the her out the theme of the fucking movie is I need money for something yeah <laughs> and George gives all of his away yeah which is why. At the end of it, when it all is paid back... But hold on a tick. It's worth it. There's a big issue with this. Why? They all very generously... Like, he has all the friends in the world. He's the richest man in the world because of all the friends he has. But richest man in town. Whatever. In in Ever Falls. And and he comes... They all come in and they're like, here's $10, here's $20, and starts giving all the what money back. What he did for them... Yeah. They they're paying back. Which is really nice. But then he gets a phone call, which ruins, in my opinion, the kind The fact gesture. that he says he's going to give him a shit ton of money. He's like, I can give you thousands of dollars. And I know I can think was, well, that just, like, makes everything that they've just done stupid. Give them all their money back, then. Like, you don't need 
five million friends, it turns out you really but only it's, need one. It's rich the friend. fact that they are willing to do it means he's the richest man in town. It's not wealth as in currency. It's wealth as in friendship and kindness. Okay. Anyway, so that's our artifact. Um, <laughs> can you tell one of us likes it more than the other? Yeah, like it's, I said, it's, it's your I'd, artifact. I'd even go as far as to say that it's one of my favorite black and white movies. Because um, I, I have a that. short list. I wouldn't say that. Well, for you, of course you're not going to. You just shit all over the movie. <laughs> you just took a dump on Christmas and then said, of course I don't like it. Yeah. So, now... Going on to the fan theory, um, we had a whole debate on what we were going to put in this. So much so that, like, we, well, you remember the text I sent you, hey, this, 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 and you sent back this, 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 and this. I said, pick one, and you said, no, you pick one, bitch. This is a fan theory? Yes. Can I talk a little bit about the movie? You can talk about the movie before we start, but I, I couldn't believe this. I, I actually, when I read what the fan theory was, I went, no way. And then I watched the movie, and everything that's mentioned in the fan theory actually happens, so I was shook it. Okay. To the core. So we're going to talk about... Love, actually. Sam, hey! Fantastic show, classic, drumming something. Thanks. Plan didn't work, though. Tell her that. Tell her what? Tell her that you love her. No way. Anyway, they fly tonight. Even better. Sam, you've got nothing to lose, and you'll always regret it if you don't. I never told your mom enough. I should have told her every day, because she was perfect every day. You've seen the films, kiddo. It ain't over till it's over. Okay, Dad. Let's do it. Let's go get the shit kicked out of us by now. Yes. Alright, can I can I just do a very quick Yeah, and I, I have something to say about the movie separate to this anyway, okay. so go. So Love Actually is a movie that has grown on me. I did not like it the first time I watched I it. I hated it the first time I watched it. And the, and the more I watch it, the more I enjoy it. So Basically, Love Actually, in essence, the, the, the name of the movie is the idea that love actually is all around us at all times. That's the message that the writer yeah. and, and, and they, he directed as well. He wanted to put that out there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he's the guy who did Four Weddings and a Funeral. Very famous, like, yeah. British type of yeah. film director. Anyway, so, and they focus on the arrival. It started gate. a wave. Love they Actually did. It started a wave of stuff like New Year's Day or New Year's Eve and Valentine's Day. Those movies. Ensemble that, movies. Yeah, yeah, the ensemble holiday. He's not involved in any way. No. I think Richard Curtis, He's, I think he's not doctor. involved in those, but it kind of started a wave yeah. of it. Yeah, anyway, so, but their book ended at the arrival's gate at Heathrow Airport. That's an example of Love Actually being all around us. The movie is actually nine intertwined stories starting five weeks before Christmas in and around London and then moving like towards Christmas and, and after. Um, so London, sorry, London, England, not London, Canada. Um, so Bill Nye. So not up the here, road. Here's a quick, <laughs> here's a quick uh, like synopsis of everybody who's in it. So Bill Nye is in it. He plays a washed up pop singer, rock singer, whatever, covering a classic for Christmas. I feel it in my fingers. Uh, yeah. I feel it in my toes, which, funny enough, is Christmas the song around me. Is the song from Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah. The, the singer, or the singer songwriter, the, the writer-director <laughs> um, used in his initial movie that everybody loves. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and it's about him, as well as his, like, devoted manager, pseudo-personal assistant. Like, his manager-agent guy has kind of become so much more than that. Uh, Colin Firth. Well, he says at one point in the movie, spoiler alert, he says the person I want for Christmas is you. Yeah. He's like, not in like a gay way, but like your family. Yeah. 
Anyway, Colin Firth, who, upon discovering his girlfriend is cheating on him with his brother, stays in the French countryside for the holidays and tries to bridge the language gap between him and his Portuguese maid, Aurelia, with whom he is a little bit infatuated. Um, I wouldn't say infatuated. He fancies her. Oh, yeah. Infatuation is... A, is it sounds... It comes, from a, it comes from a little bit of a lusty place to start off with when she whipped her clothes off and jumps into the pool. But they're getting oh, closer the before that. She jumps into the pond. The disgusting pond. The cold pond. It's You know what's disgusting about this? In winter? When they get in the pond, mm -hmm. it's so brown, and he has his mouth open for a lot of his lines in this scene, and I'm like, ugh. Like, I know it's not actually a muddy pond, because, like, we're not going to actually do that. But still, it's so gross. He has his mouth open. I'm like, oh my god, all the stuff. So Liam Neeson and his stepson, Sam were mourning the loss of his wife and mother, respectively. Daniel and, um... Liam, I'm calling him Liam Neeson. And, and Sam. Sam. Yeah. yeah. It's Daniel and Sam. Well, Daniel Liam. is Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Yeah. Um, and Thomas anyway, Sangster. But Liam Neeson becomes very involved in the agonizing that Sam is having over his first love. And they get involved, and Sam is coming up with ways to try and win her over, and Liam Neeson gets involved, and that's kind of his coping mechanism. Um, Liam's sister... So Liam Neeson's sister, uh, Emma Thompson... They're not brother and sister. Yes, they are. No, they're not. Yes, they are. I did the research. I, I had to double check because I didn't they're think not. they were. They fucking are. They're Look not. it up. Anyway, Liam's sister that I, I will get attributions for because you don't believe me. Emma Thompson, who is busy with her children and her husband, Alan Rickman, a.k.a. Snape, a.k.a. Hans Gruber, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he's getting caught up in a fling with Mia, the new girl at the office, while Emma Thompson is trying to handle just the daily life of taking care of her children. Colin, a food services worker who decides to take a vacation to America in the hopes of betting a bunch of women because British women are, in his opinion, too stuck up. And he goes to America and, uh, yeah, some good things happen for him. His story is probably, like, the weakest of all of them. Jack and Judy are two stand-ins for a sex scene. They are one of those char two characters that are removed from any sort of, like, public before, like, the watershed. Like, if it's the middle of the day, you're not going to see them. They're going to cut this entire part out of the and movie. And it's so enjoyable. And... They are yeah, so cute. They're, they're completely extracted. Do you want to know something interesting when you're done talking about all of the people? Sure. I, okay. I have something interesting. Um, then you've got Peter and his new wife, Kira Knightley, and his best friend, Mark, who is Andrew Lincoln, um, which is Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead, which I know you enjoy. Uh, anyway, Mark acts most very frustrating coldly. Thi thing Mark, Mark to the best friend, acts very coldly towards the new wife, Kira Knightley. And he says, you know, be nice and all this. And, and then you find out why, but I don't want to spoil too much. So, Laura Linney. I will spoil it right now. It's because he's in love with her. Yeah. And he lets his best friend be with her, despite the fact that he loved her from, like, the second he started dating her. And, like, you can tell he was just waiting for this shit to fizzle out so, like, he could swoop in and actually get with his buddy's girlfriend. Yeah. But then, like, it never fizzles out, and they actually get married and shit, and it's awful. The use of, uh, Dido's, um, what is it? I am what I am, I'll do what I want, and I what, What's that song? What the hell are you I talking about? Won't, I can't breathe until you're resting next to me. That song? Dido's song? About. It plays in that scene, and it, I, I think it adds something to it. it really you mean when she's looking at the footage? Yeah, yeah, and, he, and he's like, he's got to leave, and he goes, it's well, like, he goes, it's a self-preservation thing, and then walks out. Yeah, and he's clearly like madly in love with her. Anyway, yeah, Laura Linney, who works in the same office as Snape, 
and has been in love with her coworker Carl for like more than two and a half years. And at this he point. likes her too. And if, yeah. if we're being honest, you see all the scrubs that are in this goddamn office. No wonder she's in love with Carl. He is a hottie with a body. Anyway, and he's and also he's hardworking. Smart. He's also and hardworking. He's smart and hardworking. He's the whole goddamn um, package. But anyway, she's called on often inopportunely to inopportunely to mind her mentally ill brother. So she's which ruins her love story. Ruins her. her most of her life yeah honestly because she's and it's so annoying to watch because her brother like she has moments of tenderness with him but at the same time at one point he goes to like whack her because he doesn't like understand he is he's very much unhinged yeah and she puts him first because she because she's like oh well my parents can't do it so i have to do it and it's okay but it's not okay then, like, do okay. something about okay, it. Okay, moving on. Like, you're, you're slow in the roll here. There's a lot it's to just, talk it's about. so annoying. Then we have the Prime Minister, Hugh Grant, who is coping with a crush on his newest household staff member, which is Natalie. By the way, he's a new Prime Minister. Natalie. Um, by the way, Hugh Grant, to tie it all back together, is the brother of Liam Neeson and Emma Thompson's characters. No. Uh, yes. Um, so. Where does it mention that they're brother and sister? I will look it up for you because you don't believe me. Well, it's connected to the fan theory, so it's important. They Right at the beginning of the fucking movie, she goes and sees... Emma Thompson goes and sees Liam Neeson, and it's very clear that they're brother and sister based on that scene. And then she also really? says, Oh, my big brother! And throws her arms around you, Grant. So let's tie this, this chain together. Brother, sister. Brother, sister. Hugh Grant is her older brother. They never specify that Liam Neeson is, in fact, a relation to her, which uh, leads me into my fan theory. Okay, I also... This is neither here nor there, but I really love it when men dance. And I find it extremely attractive. And anyway, Hugh Grant has a dance scene in this, to the point her sisters jump, when he thinks that no one is around. It's just a perfect example. And, and like, him dancing through, like, there's a doorway where you can see him, and he just, like, kind of is rolling his body. All you see is him, like, shimmying through. Yeah, and I, I think it's perfect. I love that scene. And the start of it is him kind of just, like bouncing his hip it's, it's only and wiggling his ass backwards. 45 he, seconds. This scene could easily be taken out and have absolutely no bearing whatsoever on the rest of the movie, but the fact that they include it makes me so happy. Because this is what you want your politicians to be humanizing. like. Humanizing. You want them to know, you want to know that your politicians, while they may be effing up your country, that when they go home, <laughs> maybe when they go home, they're still human. If they hear a song they like, they are going to jam out. And that is exactly what he does. Yeah. Well, um, I, I beg to differ. I think there's a lot of people who would really not want that to, to occur. And they'd why? want them to be, like, superhuman, which is but unfair. It's but, ridiculous. But I think, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Okay, go ahead with your theory. So, my theory is heavily reliant on the fact that you're wrong. So, <laughs> the theory is no, from a Twitter up. user called This Jen Lewis, and she proposes that Love Actually drops hints that Daniel, who is Liam Neeson's character, is actually in love with Karen, Emma Thompson, the entire time. Now, um, so they talk about, like, the secret love story between them. In the, in the span of the whole, uh, movie, you have all different kinds of love stories, um, and you, you don't really get to touch upon the whole best friends trope to lovers trope at all, um, and their connection very early on is shown when he calls her, like, he's the, he's literally the, her name is the first word he says in the whole movie, um, because he's calling her after his wife's recent death, and he kind of wants her around to make him feel better. So the main evidence for this was, 
Specifically, the main thing that they focused on was in one of the later scenes of the movie. I know, wait for it. In one of the later scenes of the movie, when Daniel meets Sam's schoolmate's mother, who's played by, um, oh, what's her freaking name? Claudia Schiffer, who yeah. jokes earlier Carol. on. Yeah. Her name is Carol, and, and he meets her after the Christmas pageant, and when he's flirting with her, he accidentally calls her the wrong name, though the wrong name that he calls her is Karen, as in Emma Thompson's character, Karen. And by the way, you are right. They are not brother and sister. And therefore, subconsciously, subconsciously, Daniel must have felt some sort of romantic connection to her during that moment to use her name, like a Freudian slip kind of thing. Mm. In addition to that, like I mentioned before, the friends deliver cliche or trope isn't used in it, despite all the love stories, most of which are quite problematic. Um, their chemistry is also more sincere than the chemistry that they have with their significant others. Emma Thompson with Alan Rickman, who is basically cheating on her, and him with his possible new flame, who the most you see with them is her standing next to him and them disagreeing about the fact that his son should have kissed the girl that he's in love with versus her saying, oh no, it's right what he did. Um, the film's epilogue, epilogue also leads one to believe that they're not going to stick to their marriage, or well, in Emma Thompson's case, her marriage. She's not going to stick with him because of his betrayal. And Carol seems more of like a rebound more than a genuine romantic connection. Especially yeah. considering he said as like a joke that he would be interested in Claudia Schiffer, who actually plays Carol. So a possible hint that the relationship is actually more of like a dream fantasy to him rather than a substantial reality. Or not a substantial, a sustainable reality for him. So they're re also relying on each other throughout the thing. Uh, throughout the movie. Yeah. Uh, her name's the first line. He says, like I mentioned, he calls her for help with the funeral when he's worried about the son, etc., etc. And she apparently confides in him about her suspicions uh, about her husband's infidelity at one point. I haven't watched it. Uh, when do they do that? I've watched it recently. Well, in the theory, they mention it. I need to check on that. That's one thing that it says she confides in him about it. And I'm like, I don't know when that happens, but if it does, that's another point to him. Um, and Karen's also there for Daniel through his grief, even joking at one point that no one's going to want to sleep with him if he cries all the time. Um, and they kind of yeah. laugh, and then they both put their hands in some cereal, which is like a potential, like, hand-holding situation. Open communication between them. They have open communication. Okay, what are you trying they to convince me of? That they they're have, meant to be together? They have no jealousy. I actually totally they, love this they, theory. They have no jealousy amongst themselves. I love this they're theory. They're always open and, you know, with each other. They have the same sense of humor. Considering the and hell mutual, that, that mutual Karen understanding goes And mutual understanding. I love this theory. So I love my question is, do you think they're secretly in love? I think he's secretly in love with her. I don't know if she's secretly in love with him, but I would love it if they were. There's a whole element. When they're at the funeral, I thought about this. At the funeral, they show her listening to him talking about the wife and everything. Yeah. And when they show her, she looks like she knew both of them. Yeah. Like she knew the wife, she knew him, and yeah. she was close to both of them as a couple, which would make sense because they're like yeah. so close and everything but it also means that she's more understanding than a stranger yeah. would be to the situation which leaves it open that they could be in love later yeah and plays the Bay City Rollers and she like kind of like chuckles at it because like it's like an in-joke almost yeah yeah but I initially read this and I was like, no way, he's not in love with her. I thought it was her brother. And then I looked into it and I was like, he's not her brother. Yeah, they're, they're in love. They're in love. And then yeah. I was really excited. But it's because they're so close, you assume that they're related. That's yeah. that's how close they are. You think yeah. they're brother and sister. Yeah. And it's not. I like it. I, like I love it. I'm so down for this. I, I, <laughs> I'm telling everyone that they're in love. Oh, and, and that's like nothing it, that's nothing against Alan Rickman because I love him. And I even love that he kind of pushes Laura Linney 
towards Carl because he's just like, you know, everyone here knows you're in love with Carl. Even Carl knows you're in love with Carl. So do something about it. And he's like trying to play matchmaker while he's also doing something really shifty on his wife. But otherwise, he's trying to do something nice. It's like very complicated to like like him yeah. but hate him at the same time. Okay. All right, moving on to our next Christmas. So you buy it. I totally buy it. Yay, we yeah. buy it. High five. Yeah. We will get everyone on board as well. Moving on to our Twist the Sister this week. We are You're going not to be talking, me. We're going to be talking about the one, the only, my favorite, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> hey! If any of you are looking for any last-minute gift ideas for me, I have one. I like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there in Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four flushing, low life, snake licking, dirt eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood sucking, dog kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat ass, bug eyed, stiff legged, spotty lip, worm headed sack of monkey shit he is. Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? So, oh, this holy movie, shit, where's the Tylenol? This, like, I just love... This movie is a comedy of errors. Hold on a tick. Hold it's on. It's silly scenes I have strung to... together with yet another silly, I... silly hold scene. On, hold like on, hold on. It's a lampoon. It's a National Lampoon movie. It is like kindergarten paper snowflakes. It's what it is. Okay. You just have I'm one silly you thing attached to another silly thing. Only thing I liked about it is Johnny Glecky and Juliette Lewis. Okay. They're amazing. So hold on. Love them. Hold on a tick. I am so highly, bi but highly biased about this movie. Correct. Me and my grandmother, we would sit and we would watch this movie every single year. We freaking loved it. We both... It was so like it, it is just... It's such a memory for me. So there's nothing that can touch this film, in my opinion. I think it's brilliant. Um... It is my, like, you just talked about mom's favorite movie, apparently, was It's a Wonderful Life. This is absolutely my favorite movie for Christmas. Um, when it comes to, no, no, thank you for the candy cane. Okay. Thank you for the offer, though. Well, it's um, still wrapped, so I was offering. But because of that, I had a hard time looking at this objectively. Um, like, I mean, I, I, I'm not one to go, like, I love going to the movies, but I don't like going to the VIP theaters that they have, because I feel, I don't understand why you would pay more to go and then pay more for food in a theater like it doesn't make any sense to me it's like, just go buy your food before and then go like, it, it, whatever anyway there's different foods i know and you can drink alcohol and stuff like that in there but whatever why are you talking about this i'm going i'm, I'm getting there okay. every once in a while they'll, they'll re-release they'll re-release a classic movie so one year mm -hmm. i bought tickets in december to go see national lampoon's christmas vacation in a vip theater I only ever once did that another time, and that was because there was no other option to see the movie except for in the VIP theater. And I cannot list any other times that I've gone. And I made it very, very, it was very important to me to go see this. So again, highly biased. So now I, I ran into a conundrum. So I was like, okay, how am I going to go about this? So I went to, I went to objective research. And I, it's not objective, but it's research other than my own. Okay, Taking and you think it's it. going to get me So I'm going to cite my time. sources. I'm going to cite my sources. December 23rd, 2019. Ben Sherlock wrote for Screen Rant, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, 10 Reasons Why It's Still the Best Holiday Movie. And I thought, well, this is perfect because this will, this, this will look at it from a perspective outside of my own. He didn't but have I'll my grandmother. You. 
Yes. So, okay, so we're going to go through it piece by piece. First of all, he talks about it being an average Christmas. A lot of Christmas movies revolve around an encounter with Santa or a journey to one of the elves, but it's not really about what an actual Christmas experience is like. This is bang on what a Christmas experience is like. It touches, yes, it touches on a lot, but I mean, he addresses that like he wants to have a true family Christmas and he overdoes it. Like he type A's it and I, as a type A person, totally get behind. Are you a type A person? I think so. Okay. So if you want to do something, you're not going to half-ass it, you're going to whole-ass it, right? And that's what he does with this movie. And it is just typical. There's no special, like, we're going to see Santa moment. He is just doing what every family across America, middle America, wherever the fuck, I think it's Chicago. Like, like most yeah. John Hughes movies? Yes. Chicago. Yeah, so they're just basically suffering through Christmas together. And, I mean, that is unique. Not all mo- Everything's got to be magical. This is, like, very much not magical. Um second thing this the whole family can enjoy this movie the problem with a lot of movies is that they skew one audience over another he, he listed as skew one audience quadrant more than others christmas movies should be enjoyable for the entire family the whole family um good example of this is home alone it's a kid's movie but it has like a healthy dose of adult humor as well mm-hmm. so christmas vacation appeals to all like kids appreciate the kids you know rusty audrey and, and apparently, it, he agrees. Christmas Vacation happens to have the best Rusty Audrey pairing of the bunch. Yes. Um, with Johnny Galecki. That's because you have Julie the best Lewis. actors doing it. Yeah. But, like, overall, like, that entire film, they, they, they say it's, you touch on everybody. You've got Chevy, and you've got Beverly, and, and then you've got the kids. And, like, the whole dynamic, you, you are, you feel yourself in, in every part of this movie. Um, perfect blend of Hollywood schmaltz and cynical wit. So it can be very easy for Christmas movies to fall into, like, sappiness. And that's how I feel about, uh... Every time a bell rings. And It's a Wonderful Life. That's how I feel about that. Like, too sappy. Too far. I can't wait to just obliterate one of the things And then there's the, things other, there's the other direction, which is when it's like, I hate Christmas. Fuck Christmas. Anti-cynical. That kind of movie. Right? The best part of the whole thing is when he has his breakdown. Oh, yes, it is. It is hilarious. But it's based in reality right yeah so this movie a, does that's both. why it's the best thing it's, it's funny and it's exactly what you'd be feeling in that moment that's the only good part of the movie the rest of it is nonsense piled onto more nonsense with a great How? explosion by Chevy okay. Chase okay it's iconic in that like the gags from this movie have been duplicated I'm still reading from this article like we're, we have 10 you, let me finish <sighs> So just like, the original, like eight. just like the original vacation movies that, that like have tropes of the road trip type of movie, drivers falling asleep at the wheel, elderly relative dying along the way, all these things have been done in other movies to, to some extent, right? Mm. But the Christmas vacation did the exact same thing. They had a sledding accident. They destroyed a Christmas tree. There were problems with the lights. All of these things that can genuinely happen and are very often duplicated in Christmas movies make it very quintessential, right? Yeah, but because it happens all the time doesn't mean that it's good. It means that it's tired. No, this was the original. It, was it wasn't the ori- tired then. It was no, unique. But it was original. It's tired because it feels like they got every crazy thing that could happen to you at Christmas, and then they just put them all together. Okay, so question for like, you. Like for Do you like slapstick? Sometimes. Okay, well, I won't touch you on know, that. You know I'm more of a fan of, like, wit and sarcasm. Yeah. 
but like some slapsticks, okay. The, my real issue with it is that like you have moments where you have like whole scenes that are a complete waste of time. Like when he is looking outside and he's imagining the pool he's gonna afford, but then he goes. But then he goes into like a weird fantasy about the woman he met at the department store where he's getting Hold the gifts. On, like this is why the shittiest does that work, thing. Though? Why it does doesn't that work? work. It's it something does. I hate. I hate it why so much. Does it work? I would honestly skip the whole scene because it makes him seem like such a. Easy, disgusting man. Have you seen the other vacation movies? Yeah, I don't like those either. Okay. This is the best out of the shit. So, this is this is in the article. Actually, they talk about it is already part of a beloved franchise, right? It can be very tough for a Christmas movie to stand out because they mostly follow the same conventions, right? But Christmas Vacation doesn't have to stand on its own. It is a Christmas-themed installment of the already beloved Vacation franchise. And for example, he has this same sort of like fan fantasy about being a single man hooking up with a, a gorgeous model in the other movies as well. I know he does. It's a continuation it's of awful. that. It's awful. It means that he's a shit person because oh he's constantly fantasizing about shit outside of his marriage. And you have a problem with George Bale for shaking someone? Okay. He's having Let's... whole moments by a window. He's not doing anything. He's just imagining things. He's just what imagining things. Do? I imagine Stanley Tucci on a daily freaking basis. Yeah. What is that supposed to mean? That I'm a horrible person? No, but like he actively is stepping away from his marriage for like seven minutes of a film. It's well, in his head. He's not actively doing anything. Chelsea, he's when you fantasize about Stanley Tucci, oh. that's like five seconds of your life. He spends minutes staring into the snow, imagining it's when, summer. I, I don't know how long it is, but the drool starts coming from my mouth. Oh my god. <laughs> but in addition to that, oh. it's all—it's just like a con like it's. It's also the based, comedy okay. doesn't do it for me I'm either. Going to I find to that John his Hughes. brother is disgusting. How much do you love John Hughes? I love John Hughes and I hate this movie. How it's much the only do you love John, John Hughes, Hughes thing I hate? How much do you love John Hughes? Enough to tell you it's the only movie he's done that it's I hate. It's semi-autobiographical based on what John Hughes experienced. Yeah, he's Johnny Galecki. Hughes is one of the greatest writers of comedies who ever lived. Yeah. And his script for Christmas Vacation is one of his most underrated. His best-known Christmas-themed screenplay might be Home Alone, but Christmas Vacation plays around with the traditional story structure while cramming as many jokes onto each page as possible, and it's simply brilliant. And it tells a true story, Days. Like, he experienced that. Yeah. How can, how can you deny him? You're telling me in one Christmas he had all of those things happen? No. He had that happen throughout his childhood. I don't know, John. All together. I don't, do you know John? I don't know John. No one knows John now. Yes. People still know him. Whether or not he's No one that we dead. know. Anyway, brilliant cast as well. Brilliant cast. And you got Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo, which already existed from the, the pre-existing roles. But like I said, the kids, you love the kids. You've got Diane Ladd and John Randolph for Clark's, Clark's parents. Doris Roberts from Every mm -hmm. Loves Raymond as Ellen's, like, supremely judgmental mother. Uh, Randy Quaid as Cousin Eddie is just perfect. Julia Louis-Dreyfus as the neighbors who just can't fucking take this shit anymore. And... Honestly, love, when you, when you watch it. it, when you watch it, you feel for the neighbors. You wouldn't want to live next door to all the shit that is happening. I relate more and more to her every year. Yeah, where I would be like, if you're if, like, I would not want to be near this family. Put a fucking tree through my window. I would lose it. I don't yeah. care what season it is. Be you, better. You don't care what season. Be it is. better. <laughs> I would. I would. I would lose my shit. Anyway. 
and and then of course everything goes wrong right like that and that's kind of the beauty like like with weddings and any sort of massive celebration where you go planning and and christmas doesn't go as planned that's just kind of yeah. how it goes so there's always a problem with something right and you just kind of have to go with it for this there's a problem with everything so it's very relatable because everybody has had a problem with one of these things at some point yeah so for all of it to go wrong you're to, gonna hit it for it to all be together it allows for the one funny moment with Chevy Chase, but that one funny moment yeah. does not undo the fact that the rest of it feels over the top. It feels ridiculous. If like two of the, it's a comedy. If two of the seven things happen, where, I get it. Where are you from? Where you are need you from? to have what planet? You need to have actual like There's conversation, a with a tree. dialogue, a with a actual. You need to have dialogue. That's uh, the problem with this thing. The lights don't work. People they say rely on the things. events and not the dialogue between characters. They have crazy thing happen after crazy thing with very minimal dialogue they in between. They have more than one issue with the tree, which I think is hilarious. Yes. The tree burning down to getting that second tree, which smashes in the, Like, I get why he's not taking as much care anymore, because he's losing his shit, but at the same time, he ruins the neighbor's window. So the second tree has the fucking squirrel in it. Yeah. Like, it, it's just, it's beautiful. The turkey is, like, disgusting. And, like, whatever's going on, it, it, you also have cath catharsis when you watch this movie because, like, as shitty as your Christmas could be, guaranteed theirs was worse. Griswold's had way more going on that was bad, and and like, the the beauty of all of this is that everybody has good intentions in this film, even if they're complete assholes, with the exception of their bo the boss. Every single one of them has good intentions. He does a good thing at the end, though. He does. He does. He t he he turns into. Oh, sorry, big yawn. Turns into a uh, non-Scrooge. This is what happens when we record in the mornings. Yes, Just random me. yawns. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cousin cousin Eddie does a bad thing, but he does it because he's trying to, to be... But he, he's brother. so shifty and shitty. And the whole movie is just like, I want to give them a good Christmas. Like, one good Christmas is all I'm trying to do. It's so well-intentioned. So... Anyway, that is why I think National Lampoon's is delightful from a subjective pers or from an objective perspective. Subjective, it's just like me and my nan watching the movie, and it will always be me and my nan watching the movie. So, mm. so there you go. Merry Christmas, everyone! You never said. Do you? Am I, have I swayed you even slightly, or are you just a total Scrooge? Total Scrooge. Total I hate Scrooge. the movie. Well, you can have your National Lampoons, I'll have It's a Wonderful Life. Let's call the whole thing off. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Um, So yeah, Merry Christmas everyone, everyone who celebrates. Ho, ho, other ho. Otherwise, Happy Hanukkah. Um, and Kwanzaa. And are there any other? Yeah, there's lots of stuff. There's so many. But yeah, sorry. So we're you're on, not very we're, inclusive. Like, we're just talking about Christmas movies. Like, well, we're not covering the is, whole... Do you have a favorite Kwanzaa movie, Chelsea? Do I have a favorite Kwanzaa movie? Not as of yet. Yeah, you'll um, get right on that, won't you? I will. I'll find one. Yeah. You, don't don't you worry. Next next mm. episode, I will be talking about some Kwanzaa movies for you. Well, next episode, I want to have my day. Oh, don't worry. We're going to start off by talking about Kwanzaa. You, you've, no. you've set me up now. Okay, find a good, find a, a, a non- crazy Kwanzaa. Find a non-Adam Sandler starring uh, Hanukkah movie and get back to Rugrats me Rugrats well. has a Kwanzaa movie, by the way. A Rugrats Kwanzaa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's because of uh, Angelica's bestie. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. I okay. already got one. Oh, there's, there's you know what? There's also Instant like, classic. By the way, Rugrats. There's, there's a lot. How dare you disrespect the Rugrats <laughs> that way? Don't baby. 
You know oh. I you know I love Rugrats. I'm a sucker for wild thornberries though. Anyway, we're getting distracted again. Merry Christmas. That's what we said. Holly Robinson to. Pete was in a uh Kwanzaa movie as well. Okay. And I know you like um, her. We we're getting distracted again. Um, Merry Christmas to everyone who celebrates. Otherwise, just happy holidays. Celebrate what you want to celebrate. Watch these if you feel it in your fingers. If you feel it in your toes. Christmas is all around you. And that's so the feeling shows. Bye, everybody.